0: Welcome back, and here we go for another episode of FileMaker Talk.
1: Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. And uh, sitting right
0: next to him at DevCon, at DEVCON is Matt Petrowski.
1: So I would like to apologize to our uh, three listeners uh, for the <laughs> one-year delay on the last episode. Three listeners. Um, sorry, Mom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. It turns out that we're here at DevCon, and I've had no fewer than five people come up to me and say, "Yeah, that podcast thing. Are yeah. you guys still going to yeah. keep doing that?"
1: <laughs>
0: and so I guess it's the impetus for saying, uh, "We
1: need to yeah, get off our get back butts back and, and do, this, this. do this thing." Well, one of us has been living out of the country for six months,
0: uh, and one of us has started a company and yes. managing a lot of employees this and growing a bigger
1: company. That's true. So we both have somewhat legitimate reasons. Yes, um, but I really love talking to you, and it's really great to learn about FileMaker. So let's let's get back into it. Oh man, yeah, you don't even know! I always, always miss it. Encouragement from people—that's what that would be useful.
0: So what's new? So, well, first off, we didn't cover FileMaker Seventeen. Yeah,
1: that's FileMaker true. Seventeen
0: release. We could—I mean, we could talk about that, but we're here at DevCon. We could talk about stuff that they've announced here. What do yeah, you want to start with?
1: Let's start with what they just announced here, which is this new category. Okay, that's relevant category.
0: category. Uh, just the word category. <laughs> Okay, Um, I'm going to take a positive spin on this because I'm typically a cynical person myself. If I'm I'm honest, if I'm honest. (laughs) So basically, this is my impression. FileMaker is doing a rebrand, and I, can un- I totally understand why. Mm-hmm. FileMaker has always been in this market space where it's
1: FileMaker, we are a database, we are compared with all other databases. So, from yeah, so like back in the day, they were a relational database manager, right? Yeah. So back in the day when it was like FileMaker versus uh, Fourth Dimension versus Omnis. And Microsoft Access. Well, even before Access. Oh. And, then it was, and then it was FileMaker versus Access, and all those other players sort of dropped off one by one. Now Access is pretty much gone. I, I never get FileMaker versus Access comparisons anymore. There's got to be people still using it. Well, that's it, what I'm I saying. Mean, but I'm I don't hear when, about it. I'm saying when like, a customer's considering a FileMaker solution, they're not considering FileMaker versus Access. It's Really, FileMaker is the last man standing in their space. So all these other terms they've used for the categories over the years, like relational database manager, uh, rapid application development environment... Um, Most recently, low-code slash no-code. I I really hated that one, too. I hate low-code no-code. So they have a new one. And the new one is
0: Workplace Innovation Platform. Yep. Workplace Innovation. Whip it good. Which, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I Mm -hmm. love the replacement of custom apps. I was annoyed by... Well, they're probably Mm -hmm. still going to use create custom apps, custom app this, custom app that. No, I'm building... A software solution. Right. If you, you just want to boil it down to, what am I doing? I'm creating software. I like the app word a little bit. It's but kind of that is, It is coming from a developer a perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the broader market perspective, in terms of how they want to be seen, the one thing I know that, um, to me, I don't know this is the case or whatever, but it seems like somebody somewhere read a book. And they're like, okay... Yeah. This book says we need to define a category, and then if you define the category and you're the first person, then you become the category
1: leader. And that's right. that's essentially what I think they're trying to do. I think do. so, too. And I tell you, that there's one word in the new category that I love, 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 and that's platform. Because I have always thought about filemaker as a development platform
0: and that's true and what they said in this session was they were talking about the fact that you don't have to go understand other intermediate languages you don't have Mm -hmm. to it is pretty much an all-in-one ball of wax i've always thought of filemaker as that yeah they use the term full stack a lot as well which i really like yeah their slogan i really like the slogan that they came up with in fact i have the t-shirt here in my bag that we just got it oh i Uh, haven't got one yet Oh, it's awesome. The, ah, the slogan yes. is the one, the thing that I like the most. Mm-hmm. This, I think, is better than the "let's define a category" thing. Mm-hmm. The problem solvers, problem solver. Right. That's. I think that's cool. That's just a very cool, nice, catchy thing. Yep. To have and I, hopefully, I hope they stick with that because recently in, in the FileMaker space it seems like every year they're trying something new in order to try mm-hmm. to get recognized in some different way mm-hmm. and I mean as a developer for us we always know that it's hard if you talk to some of the older IT space they're like yeah isn't FileMaker that old mm-hmm. Mac application? Right. I remember that from the 90s when I was in college. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And from a rebranding perspective you know, I know it's risky, and they probably never would do this. I personally would have would not have minded a rename. Me, me as well. Like, if you change the name from FileMaker to something else, but still yeah. call the parent company
1: FileMaker, I would have been cool with that. Yeah, me too. I think that would be awesome and a new logo. Well, you to know, go they just along. changed. They just killed FileMaker Pro as a product with 17. Right, right. It's now FileMaker Pro Advanced, which is actually hard to talk about. It's yeah. like I use FileMaker.
0: And most okay. people stop at FileMaker. They right. don't call it FileMaker right. Pro. Right. And, and I had heard somewhere that supposedly they want you to say whatever the version number is. Yes, I use FileMaker Pro Advanced 17. Or okay. I use FileMaker Pro Advanced whatever the
1: next number is. Are you uh, 17.01 or 17.02? I'm really an OT guy. <laughs> no, OK, let's keep this simple. FileMaker. Exactly. I use FileMaker.
0: That's true. We are FileMaker. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, or or just FilePro also works. A lot of people call it that. <laughs> FilePro. Oh, um, I, the, when I was in Spain, the guy that I'm that he's also speaking here, his name is Javier uh, Dura. A really good friend. We really built up our friendship. He's got this thing that's so funny in Spain, Spanish FileMaker developers, he said they just they won't say FileMaker. They call it FileMaker maker or filemaker or something. Filemaker? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But yeah. yeah. Well, He's it's file-maker like, no, it's file
1: maker. I don't use a Spanish word for it? It would be maker,
0: if you said it with because okay. they only have five <clears throat> sounds for all of their different vowels. Right. They don't have like us where you can change like have three different sounds no, for the No, like I the Spanish N.
1: words for file and Spanish word for make. Oh. They don't really call it that, do they? Oh, I have
0: I, I forget what a file is my Spanish I yep. learned enough of it to understand but I didn't get enough
1: where I can speak we'll really, really a well por favor <laughs> uh, sí. uh, <laughs> I did pretty good in Spain when I was there with my Spanish from high school I took actually six years of Spanish back in the day. Ooh. Yeah, so I was, I, was, I was fluent for several of those years, but now I lost all my vocabulary. Oh, I wish I would have done that. I took German, and I
0: used a little bit when I went to Germany, but other than that, I'm just barely conversational.
1: So let's see. So the, um, the new platform, the new uh, category is a really big part of the conversation. They also, we can't really talk about it on the podcast, but the keynote, they also talked about some new technologies coming, which are pretty exciting. The one thing that I think is maybe most exciting about that is how far they're talking in the future. So it's not like these are the things that we think are coming right now. It's like this is the roadmap and these are this is where we're headed.
0: Yes. I and, love that. And well, what I love is they are sharing more. Mm-hmm. FileMaker did not used to be a company that would share any information. And it's almost like the rest of the industry had to tell them, hey, look, this whole open source movement, yeah. we let you know what's coming up. Some of it we do proprietary, some of it, you know, this is public and open source, please go
1: investigate it. We're now following suit. Other environments like Oracle lays out that here's our plan for the next 10 years, you know, where we're going. Yeah. And it's like, it's this whole, you know, we're
0: afraid to commit type of thing. We want to do this, uh, but don't get mad at us if we don't do Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. People understand that. If you're going to put something in and it's not ship ready, people get that. Don't give us broken software, Mm -hmm. but we still know that you want to create it, so... Yeah, I love the uh, transparency in terms of what's going on. They also, um, Rosemary was mentioning some things about uh, improving the community. And so it looks right. like they are spending a lot of effort internally to actually pay attention and focus to the outside market. Not just we're going to develop this behind closed doors, mm-hmm. bring it out to
1: you, we hope you like it type of deal. There's even a roadmap for the FileMaker community yeah. approach. exactly. Yeah, a long-term plan for what's going on there, which I really love to see. Um, yeah that's good stuff for sure so they're definitely making investments in the fact that um,
0: we need our community we need their support and they even said that in the the session they said Mm -hmm. we need you guys to help you know get the word out we are we are basically a new category and if you didn't get that listeners it's workplace innovation platform right so say it many times until you can get it right (laughs) <laughs> well, I guess that makes you and I Workplace Innovators um, Or innovate, Innovation Platformers Are we Workplace innovate, Innovation Implementers? I like to be an implementer, implementer. myself personally sure. I'm a Workplace Innovation into, uh, Implementer I'm a Plot Reformer I don't know. <laughs> Platformer. Speaking of which, uh, platformers, uh, here at the, uh, oh, where yeah. DevCon is, they're also setting up right now for QuakeCon, which I didn't even know. I thought I Quake was just this old database, or old video game. They said they've got like, what, 3,700 people coming here that bring Maybe their own computers? Maybe as many computers? as
1: 4,500 people. They're set up to be able to have 5,000 people bringing their home computers in to come in here for the largest LAN party on Earth. This is crazy. So, right next to DevCon, well, that, it's going to be this, in full swing Thursday. And this place has got the space. This, yeah, it's a this huge dealer talk about this place too. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah, to be able to have that conference going on simultaneously with DevCon, that's kind of a, you know, the size of it. Okay. Yeah, it's like, it's, like, it's like sort of like being in Disneyland or Disney World inside the hotel. Yep. You could never really go outside if you didn't want to. The pool complex is off-site. You take a shuttle bus to get there. It's like half a mile away. Yeah. For that, their lazy river. That does uh, sort of put the kibosh on me going out to the pool a little more yeah. readily. You can't, just go, you can't go there and be back in an hour. Yeah,
0: no, it's, it's a, like uh, a planned event. And you do yeah. see more families here because that's what they're here to go experience. Yeah, there. there's also the Smurf thing going on in the hotel, which is really kind of weird. Very interesting. There's a lot yeah. of permanent structures that look like yeah. it's here for like a year, and then yeah. maybe they'll switch it to something else, whatever. Yeah. Else comes out. It's pretty smurftacular.
1: <laughs> and there's, you know, like a lot of places we've been for DevCon. There's a bunch of uh, restaurants on at least five. Yeah, it's, um, it is its own little self-contained ecosystem. Couple bars, so that people stay up late talking in different places. But the off-site pool closes at like 7 p.m., but the local pool closes at midnight. So oh, that's I'm not good. sure if people are hanging out there. And it's 100 degrees, and it's hot till very late. It's Texas. Yep. Texas in summer. So, FileMaker, like, what did we, we have not covered so much stuff? I know. Actually, I've been planning an episode with you for a while. We got a listener feedback on, on um, something which was great, which was um, like the things in FileMaker, the features that FileMaker has that don't belong in the product anymore, but are there for compatibility. And I've been making a list. And so, what are the ones that are coming off the? Top well, like of your for head? example, sorted relationships. <laughs> There's just never a time that you, that that's a good thing. There, there are no a few. Not. There no. are a few. I'm sorry. No, there are a few. I know. I know. There are the, absolutely but really, a few. really rare. They almost always bite you in the butt when you click that box in the relationship graph. Um, it will sl- if you have a lot of data, it will slow things down. But if you have
0: certain situations where you want to sort a smaller subset of data in a certain way, right. yes. It's, yeah. it's useful, especially if you know, like, the difference between what a Unicode versus a native language sort is going to do. True. So being able to switch to that yeah. Unicode gives you a little bit more power in, mm-hmm. in terms of controlling how a value list or something else is going to show up.
1: I'll, I'll say that. We'll, we'll go over the whole list. I, I like the
0: option being there. Yeah. And the fact that it's not on by default, I'm, I'm completely content with that.
1: Yeah. I actually don't like it being there. Oh. <sighs> I think it would be better would if you had to just, do that in another way. Would that be just because of people, inexperienced developers, can check it? And well, that's, and Which is my experience of it 99% of the time. Gotcha. So a customer will come to us and say, yeah, we have the solution, we've partly built it in-house, we had a couple developers who worked on it a bunch of years ago, and it's really, really slow and we're about to abandon it. And that's because that feature exists. Because it looks, oh, here, look, I can sort. Or they did it back in 7 when, when there was no other way, like before you can have a sorted portal. So for the newer, newer listeners that are new to FileMaker, we, we should
0: explain why. Why is it a non-performant it feature?
1: Here's, here it is. If you, have a, if you have something really simple, like let's say, um, what's a good example? Oh, I, here's a good example. You have a, list, a company who has a bunch of employees, and you want to sort them by whether they're the primary contact person. And so you create a field which is a, like is primary, like a boolean or something like that, and then you sort of by that at the relationship level. Now maybe that's not an awesome example, but anyway, it's easy to visualize. Okay, so then um, down time goes by, and now you have 100,000 company records, and you have a ton of contact records, and one of your company records has 400 people who work there. Yeah. And then and then you say, okay, now I want to give me a list of my companies, and I want to show, like, you know, primary contact or something like that. If it's at the relationship level, in order to resolve the relationship, it has to also sort it, it which means to, it has to look at all it that has related to look data
0: at, and get all the records.
1: Yeah, so if you're looking at a list of just a let's just say a small list, a hundred companies and a few of those companies have a hundred people, it has to sort them all. So you're going to actually look at a list which is not sorted and you're going to see a whole bunch of sort dialogue boxes come up in Filemaker. It's going to take a long time to show it. Yep. All the fields on the list might actually be in context, but you're going to be mystified by why it's so slow. Yeah. So the, the moral of the story here is that FileMaker, when it
0: comes to its relationships, can hand back data in the original record creation order much faster than if yeah. it has to apply a sort. First it has to gain the, the subset based on whatever the relationship predicates are. Mm-hmm. Then it has to basically say, oh, I now need to sort this. As the developer of a system, if you already know what it is that you're going to want, it's a little bit easier to just ask for that data, filter out what mm-hmm. you want, and then get that subset. But the sort does, is useful when you know that your relationship is dealing with a very small subset of data, not right. thousands and thousands of records.
1: Yeah, I just, I just find that that's uh, hard to predict on an application. You have to really know where the application is going to go in the future, which is hard to do. Yeah. Well,
0: speaking of other features, I mean, for example, um, your auto-enter versus your lookup. Mm -hmm. Lookup is dead. Anything that you can do with lookup, you you can do with an (laughs) auto-enter. Well, although the one one aspect that is in lookup is higher. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) You knew it. You knew it. That is the one thing where when you have price categories, yep. where somebody puts in like a price that falls in between three and five, and they mm-hmm. put in four, you can go up to the next higher, which is five. Right. You can do that with the calculation, but I mean, that's just a checkbox easy thing yeah. within the
1: lookup. I think that feature came mm-hmm. out in FileMaker 3. <laughs> There's a, what they should yeah. do is they should put a checkbox in preferences that says hide
0: ancient features. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and so the modern, the, the modern yeah. version of the app only shows the things that you maybe quote unquote should be using mm-hmm. versus being confused by the things that are older. And you're like, I don't know. What does look up actually? So do? That makes do sense. I so when you start that?
1: a solution from scratch, it actually is better and cleaner. Yeah. And you see only the things that are actually would fit into a best practice category. Yep, yep. And things like lookup um, wouldn't be there. I I don't even... Actually, that whole um, dialogue you're talking about, about when you define a field and all the... There's, there's, there's three tabs, right? I'm trying to visualize it on my head. You've got all the auto-enter options, and then you have also all the um, validation options. Yeah. I don't think any of the validation options should be there, by and large. Oh, really, though? I Th- think those most of are... those are really, really uh, bad. You
0: could keep the, uh, no... Like, unique values... Unique values on IDs, the only thing that's bad about the validation options is typically when they bite you in the butt on an import. Right. Something that's going to, like, you're just like, I can't figure out why this import won't work. And right. it's because you have this type of constraint on it,
1: either yeah. unique or must be a certain type or whatever it is. My, my biggest problem with it is if a user, let's say you have something that says requires a value, and it's for something like company name. And so if you do it at the data level, on one hand, it's good because that you ensure that you're not going to get any records in your database that don't have it, unless, of course, you do an import or a set field or something like right. that, which throws it out the window. But if a, when a user encounters the error, it'll say, the value is required for this field, which might not be on the layout that you're on.
0: Oh, yeah. So you can create a record and set something.
1: And then there's no way out that's clean. Your, your options of that choice are revert and okay. And if you click OK, then you can't get out of it because it's required. And if you click revert, your record goes away. So you, might, you can start creating a record, fill out a bunch of information, and then get an error message and you're screwed. <laughs> the second reason I really hate those, and one of them is really bad, is the unique. Unique values, the pain, uh, the, the price that you pay is, um, it doesn't grow, it, it gets really, really bad when you get a large number of records. So if you have like increases- a million records... It has to actually do a search, like an exclamation it has to point check search. against
0: the index. I mean, it has to right. check for whether or not that exists. And it, uh, worst case scenario, if it doesn't
1: have an index, it's got to go across all the, the records. Right. But it's not... But it, it doesn't scale arithmetically. It scales geometrically in terms of the, the speed slowdown. Yeah. So when you get to a certain number of records, that makes the solution completely unusable. Like, if you had theoretical 10 billion records, it would take... 20 minutes, 30 minutes I don 't know, to create one record in the table because it has to actually search the entire table, not for that one key, but it actually does it like an exclamation point search every time you create a record. But you do have to I mean I don 't know how else
0: they would solve it you, in order to have a constraint that says this, these requirements must be
1: fulfilled. unique. Yeah. Well such the only time you do unique. it you're right so let's just say it's unique. so when was you, what, what was the only cases you'd ever have unique on a field? in a in a system that's managed by multiple people. No, multiple I'm just saying developers. the only time you'd ever do it is in a primary key. That's the only thing that really by definition should be unique in a table normally. Right. And if you fully trust
0: whatever it is you're using for unique, which is typically a UUID, mm-hmm. then that's inherent
1: trust. You are right. trusting that you're never going to get a duplicate. So, so, so the you additional don't need check the box for acquire unique solves nothing and just causes problems. That's it, that's my position on it. In In systems where you might have the potential
0: for something else to come in where you need to ensure that it's unique on something such as a machine name where it's basically you can only have one of this given name of anything, a
1: a literal spelling, that's where it might be useful. All right. I get that. but, But then again, a set field command or an import of records throws it out the window. Yes, and it will because you
0: are not meeting the requirements. You're not meeting the constraints. So it's doing the feature that it's supposed to do. But the fact that it's there and from a developer perspective, a new versus an uh, experienced developer, yes, Mm -hmm. it is too easy to say, oh, yeah, I'll just check that box because I want it to be unique. I think that's an education communication type of issue rather than than the actual software's problem. It's sort of like I can hand you a hammer but you can you can choke up on the hammer until your hand is right close to the head and you're never gonna get the same type of driving force if you're all the way right. at the back of the hand. True. That's an education issue. I don't change the way that hammers are just because somebody doesn't know how to hold it. Right. So oh, plus
1: there's different size hammers and you know. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> and hammers with those nice little cool little things that you put the nail on and it'll hold the, the nail for you. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's true. So, yeah. yeah, there's always features, but the difficulty is What do you have, when you're building software, what do you have to teach about the software versus what do you expect can just be Mm -hmm. understood about the software? Right. And and that's the trade-off. It's like the more powerful software is going to become, Mm -hmm. the more features and settings you're going to have. I mean, look at the iPhone. For heaven's sake, go into the settings application and get ready to be overwhelmed. Yep. There's, I bet you there's not a person on the planet that though. knows every possible setting. <laughs> that is true. It is good that it's yeah. searchable. But my goodness, every iteration of an operating system, if it adds five new preferences and they all stay relevant, yep. holy crap, I'm yeah, swimming
1: plus, in... Plus now every app has its own settings in there. You, know, you <sighs> just scroll down and you can see here's the settings for Slack. You know,
0: I am swimming in a, in a settings nightmare of how many of these do I need to know versus how many of them are going to hit me in the future or whatever. Yep. So are we going to do more episodes while we're at DEFCON? Uh, we certainly can. I mean, we could do like an to. episode about uh, any session that we go into. Oh, we're I about to go a, to the
1: Under the Hood session right now. It's, I saw a John session. Well, then we got to wrap this one up. Yep. Just All just right. Two seconds on what you saw from John's John, John session. John Renfrew? Yeah. Either that or we save it. Let's save it. Cliffhanger. Oh. <laughs> Thanks so much, listeners, for bearing with us. All right. See you later.